Hi, welcome to the latest edition of the Employee USA HR podcast. My name is Rob Wilson, and joining with me is uh, my brother and partner, Scott Wilson. Hi there. Jason Eisenhut, our Vice President of, of HR and Benefits, and working the board, as usual, is Nikki Navarro. So this week's topic is creating an employee handbook, and uh, so we're going to walk through some of the, some of the advantages of, of uh, having a handbook and the do's and don'ts, as well as some key sections to include. So I appreciate you joining us this week. So uh, first part is let's talk about advantages of the handbook. One, uh, one thing to look at is it's a great way to communicate uh, your overall plans, practices, and policies to, uh, to your employees. Yeah, it's, it's a good way to provide a consistent way to communicate those plans and policies and practices to your employees so everyone's on the same page. Um, if you haven't done it before, it's a good way to start. Maybe employees didn't know what the holiday schedule was or what a dress code was, and it's a good way to, to at least get everybody on the same page. Sure, we get that question every year. We've had a handbook for, we're in our 20th year, and every year two, three people say, are we open the day before Christmas or, or the what? day after Thanksgiving? Right. right. So but Jason, I think also not having a handbook, you open yourself up to not being consistent across the board with all your employees, which could open you up to a lawsuit. Right. Yeah. The, the legal problems is uh, include not applying to policies consistently among all your employees, but then also gives you a layer of protection from lawsuits for, uh, hey, a supervisor, I never was told that um, we should report harassment or unsafe working conditions. Uh, it's another layer of employers being able to prove that, no, we did tell you as employees the do's and don'ts of being an employee for our company. Mm-hmm. Right. So let's walk through so what are some of the key uh, key sections you should include in a, uh, in a handbook. Well, there are a few that are required by law. So on the federal level, if a company is big enough, generally among above 50 employees, the Family Medical Leave Act, FMLA, is a required notice to include in the handbook if you do have a handbook. And uh, the Equal Employment Opportunity, EEO policy, where we don't tolerate and we prohibit discrimination based on race and religion, gender, national origin, those type of policies and notices should be included in the handbook. Then if you're an employer in Illinois, we have a certain uh, act that is required to be included in the handbook. It's a notice related to pregnancy discrimination. So those three acts and regulations are required among some other generally recognized laws that should be included in your handbook. But then there are also some key other sections that just about every labor law attorney and HR expert would recommend. And those are including like a disclaimer on employees. This is an at-will employment. Uh, This handbook is not a contract for a specific duration of time. Uh, We can change it. This handbook and policies are subject to change at any time. And then there's a whole slew right. of other policies that... Right, so it's not a contract, it's just it's a handbook. You have a separate employment agreement. This is your handbook of, uh, of key issues within the company. The, uh, and one of the things you had mentioned before was the uh, equal employment opportunity, non-discrimination. That's the anti-discrimination is such a, a, should be such a key part of your, your handbook. You know, one of the earlier topics we, we spoke of a few weeks ago was a transgender. And uh, when you look at the anti-discrimination, it should be all-encompassing. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, so some of the long ones that have been there for a long time are race and religion and age and national origin. But like Rob had mentioned, the, uh, the more recent ones that employers are being encouraged to include include gender identity and sexual orientation. Um, so the, those type of uh, types of classifications of employees, employees and supervisors really should be reminded that we don't tolerate discrimination based on this and including the handbook. And, and obviously we'll, we'll talk about how to distribute it and collect it and get it in front of employees with an acknowledgement. 
And then one of the things you should look at too is define the the uh, the type or status of employees, whether you're exempt or non-exempt. Yeah, so all employees should know whether, and it's not a term that's generally known or used in the workforce, but exempt and non-exempt typically refer to your eligibility for overtime. So most employers refer to it as hourly salary, and most of the time those translate into non-exempt exempt, but employees should know what those definitions are and how they as an employee are classified. I mean, separate from a handbook, but the employee should know the definition of each of those so they know what type of an employee they are and how different policies and procedures apply to them. And, and, that, and that's a key part, right? right. Uh, going back to just a, a, a few podcasts ago right. for us uh, talking about the o- new overtime rule. So that, that goes into effect December 1st. And what's the threshold, Jason? The new threshold is anyone who's earning, just round numbers, is less than 47000 Anyone who's earning less than 47000 will automatically be considered a non-exempt employee and eligible for overtime. And that's double compared to what it is now. Right, right. The, the current threshold is a little over 23000 Wow. Right. And so that's, a, uh, that's an area that uh, if you haven't visited or don't have in your, in your handbook, you really want to, uh, you want to look at that part. Yeah, and some of the other key sections to include are some of the typical ones like a work schedule, attendance, and tardiness. So what happens if you have uh, three no-call no-shows or uh, I'm late 15 times in a row after and I've been late 15 minutes all those. So employers have an opportunity to define what do we tolerate and what don't we tolerate and make that consistent among all the different employees. And then some standards of conduct that typically employers want to address, including like dishonesty, falsification of company records, fighting and subordination. Um, employers want to really stress confidentiality. And so what, what should employees do with confidential information? Should they seek management's approval before taking it out of the office or releasing it to a third party? These are all things and policies that you want to make sure that employees are on the same page. Would you recommend from a dress code standpoint, like if it's a safety issue, would you include that in the manual or would you wait to put that in the safety manual or both? Yeah, typically sometimes both. But if it, yeah, like steel-toed shoes mm-hmm. or loose clothing on a conveyor belt line, those those are definitely good elements to include in a handbook. And one touchy subject, like we mentioned before, is gender identity. So what employers should stay away from on a dress code is saying men – acceptable attire is slacks and a button-down collared shirt, women, dress, skirt. So now employers are really encouraged to stay away from gender-identified types of dress for the dress code. Right, so if you're going to reference a skirt, it's not a woman's skirt. Right, just just in general. A a skirt X length. Or like business casual. Right. Yep, that's correct. uh, So, and then on the... uh, As those relate to your confidentiality, your standard conduct... uh, how vague or broad or defined should you be on your, your termination? So a lot of times employers are encouraged to provide examples. So an example is a customer list should not be taken out of the office or used on a personal computer. So the, the more examples that are utilized in a handbook in, in a confidentiality policy, the better. Mm-hmm. Okay. The, uh, actually, we just had a, uh, had a case that, uh, that uh, Edgar and I worked on where Someone was uh, uh, terminated at an employee. Uh, employee was terminated a client for uh, theft for stealing, but they didn't. Uh, and there, it was uh, clearly defined that they could uh, terminate him for uh, because he had violated the, uh, the reference within the employee manual. But then his challenge is they wanted to fight the unemployment, and because there was no police report, he uh, he ended up getting unemployment for even though he was fired for theft. 
and employers should start to think about this now preventively bef before there's actually an incident. So if an employee, they find an employee obviously intentionally shares a customer list with a competitor, obviously that's grounds for termination and lawsuits probably, but if they accidentally lose a laptop and they've been saving information and confidential information on their C drive without it being password protected or encrypted, what should an employer do with that employee? So maybe start thinking about that type of information now, and there's obviously a systems issue side of it that you can try and prevent that with reviewing information and encrypting and whether or not the employer allows laptops out of the computer or do we just use desktops. So in addition to the handbook, there's some separate issues that employers can look at systems mm -hmm. related. So uh, you should also look at vacation, holiday, uh, time off, whether it's a whether it's a PTO plan or uh, or sick time plus vacation time. So oftentimes employers during a new hire negotiation will work back and forth with the candidate about okay instead of a standard two weeks you want to get three weeks okay that's fine you're coming from an environment where you were having four or five weeks of vacation we'll negotiate but at least having the standard vacation policy in your handbook so everyone's on the same page same type of holiday schedule. It's a good way of communicating it and a good way of ensuring that everyone um, understands where you're coming from as an organization. Well, and I think you're going to have more productive employees, too, because they're going to spend less time going, now, what's this? With the water cooler, and yeah. They, exactly. So I think if it's clearly defined, I think you're exactly right that it's going to help productivity. Yeah, and, and, and usually the, the better way to go is distribute the handbook at the point of new hire. So as a person joins the company, we're discussing all of these different programs and plans and procedures Sign the acknowledgement. We'll get to that in a second. But sign the acknowledgement that you received it, and then at least there we're, all, we're kind of communicating to you up front, and then all the employees are are understanding the would consistent you, message. Would you recommend like at the beginning of the year or midway through the year, like a review? Yeah. Know? So employers are encouraged at least once a year to review their handbook. There's oftentimes laws that are passed throughout the year or general guidance or recommendations for change. So at least once a year, employers should be reviewing their plans and procedures and policies along with what's in the handbook and what what has changed. The uh, now you've you've got your handbook. You've uh, you're going to distribute it. You've appointed a new hire, so you're going to have them sign it and uh, and you retain that copy. Yeah, so this is called an acknowledgement. So oftentimes the acknowledgement uh, reads, I, Jason Eisenhut, have understand it's my response. I've received and I understand it's my responsibility to read the handbook. And there's a, um, a sign and signature and a date on the bottom. Uh, so anytime then the employer revises the handbook, it's a good idea to get that new round of acknowledgements from employees and stick that in the personnel file for the records. One of the other... Uh topics we had a, a month or two ago on uh, on our podcast was medical marijuana. So one of the things that we, you should be addressing, too, as well as substance abuse, what levels of testing, what, what do you allow, or uh, usually a lot of, usually we recommend that a broader statement of we don't allow, uh, we don't allow or tolerate uh, illegal drugs. Yeah, so because marijuana is still illegal on the federal level, that could include marijuana, even if it's used medically or medicinally, as an illegal substance, so if they test positive for marijuana, example, in Illinois, we, you, an employer could fire them for testing positive. In some states, you need to show that the employee is actually under the influence of marijuana, um, but most states, at least it's good to include, like Rob had mentioned, that we, we don't tolerate illegal drug use in the workplace. And if you're going to reference, if you don't want to put that statement in, you should look at some type of levels. Right. So if an employee in a state like Illinois where medical marijuana is allowed... If they use it on a Saturday and report to work on a Monday and we do a drug test on a Monday, 
and then there's some amounts of trace amounts in their system, maybe the drug testing vendor can say, okay, well, here's our test range. They tested a little bit. We believe that this system, this amount of marijuana is believed to use on a few days ago. It's not current. It wasn't used as of that day. And you're seeing that more in uh, collective bargaining agreements, too, with unions. Right. The unions now, for years, they didn't reference it at all. But now mm-hmm. in most collective bargaining, you're seeing some level of drug testing, whether it's uh, whether you, it's, uh, you suspect drug use or if it's post-accident. So I think that's a good idea, then, if you have non-union and union labor, address that in the employee manual that way it's not just addressed to the union employees the non-union employees also have to abide by that also yeah, great idea yep right the uh and of course uh, you may want to start with a welcome statement uh some company history, history right yep. give, give them a little history of the company yeah if there's a mission or vision or company history uh any type of um handbook should be customized for the employer so oftentimes employers can go out to the web and find a boilerplate template but we at EmployCo customize the handbook for each of our employers, and we make it sure it sounds the way they want to communicate the message. Do you want to convey a mission or vision or or company history? And then we can incorporate that. And usually it's at the beginning of the handbook. Right. We make sure you're in, you're in compliance with our, all the key parts that you need to have, but your handbook uh, should have your look and feel of your, uh, of, and culture of your, uh, of your business. And I think you could run into a problem with the boilerplate with that. Is it up to date? Does it address issues? And how do you know when it doesn't address issues? Are you opening up yourself for, like, a bigger lawsuit? So. Right. Yep. Right. And some of the some of the handbooks should be customized by state. So an Illinois employer will have a different handbook simply because of the uh, Pregnancy Discrimination Act, whereas a California employer will have a different uh, handbook versus a Washington state employer. So employers should be very careful to try and wade through these waters on their own. Usually it's, it's a good idea to ask for some help. Mm-hmm. And we have experience in 49 states, so it's right. True, little pat on Jason's back. So, <laughs> the uh, one other is uh, uh, all these we've almost hit on uh, several of these on on various yeah. podcasts over the last uh, four or five months. Social media, internet, politics. You know, now's the time that if if you don't have that in your uh, in your handbook, you should be looking at that as well as uh, what's your issues on on social media in the workplace. What do you? What can they say at work, off work, about you, your boss, your company, and how much time they can spend at work doing it too? I would imagine it's got to be a good uh, reference in there too. Yeah. So, employer, the National Labor Relations Act prohibits employers from cramp, camping down on uh, concerted act, workplace-related activity and, and discussion. So, if an employee on Facebook says, "Hey, employee is terrible. They don't pay enough." Well, that's kind of a work-related discussion. Employers should not discipline the employee for that because it's technically work, benefits, pay-related. Now, if the employee then posts something on Twitter that says um, EmployCo does a terrible job with its customers, well, now we're, we're in an area where the employer should talk to the employee and start a discipline process and, and talk to them about this is not appropriate for you to be posting. So we're supposed a- to use a make-believe name, Jason. <laughs> right. <laughs> ABC <laughs> Widget Company. Right. Much, much better. <laughs> so the... Uh, yeah, because uh, and you you know you've got the free speech issue on on politics, which uh, we had talked about before. That uh, so, but you, know, you you can't be too careful with social media today, right? And the amount of time that people spend on social media, right? I and mean, their breaks, I could see being able to do it, but throughout the day, that's another issue. So you you wouldn't tolerate someone streaming the Chicago Cubs game on, on their laptop if they're in the well, playoffs. Maybe, I yeah. mean, it's it's you know it's whatever. Yeah, so oftentimes a, a handbook will include that 
anything related to the company property includes telephone usage, company computer usage, internet, email usage at work. So this is all company property that is um, the company can monitor. And if if there is suspected fraud or or inappropriate activity, the company can and has the right to look through your past emails and internet usage. So there's some great tips, and and Jason, you you kept it moving along. We uh, we thought handbooks. Especially, minutes, especially yeah. if, if uh, listeners were driving, we didn't want them falling asleep while they were driving, uh, <laughs> listening to, about handbooks. So uh, thanks for joining us this week. And, uh, Jason, thanks for the tips. Till next time, send uh, your questions to uh, hr at employco.com, and uh, we'd be happy to address uh, any questions you might have uh, on the podcast. Great. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye.